It's time for The Rush with OU color analyst Teddy Lehman and Tyler McComas. Got a question or opinion? Hit the guys up at 405-651-3439 or call the Riverwind Casino call-in line at 405-329-9000. Live from the Buffalo Wild Wings studios, it's The Rush with Teddy Lehman and Tyler McComas. Just blessed to be here again. Um, never gets old. So excited to get started. They did get started a little late, but uh, they are in fact underway. In the bottom of the fifth now, up to bat. Still 0-0. Been a pitcher's duel up to this point. Um, Kennedy, the freshman for Stanford, has been nails as she gets um, the opening strike out there in the bottom of the fifth. Uh, one out. And uh, she's up above 80 pitches now, which isn't a, um, a high number or anything. But point being, she's still up around that 70-71 velocity. And it still looks like the Sooners have not caught up to it, at least up to this point, Tyler. Yeah, you know, um, is Kennedy the best pitcher that OU has seen this year? She's If she's not, she's definitely in the conversation. And I think what strengthens her point even more is how so far in this game she's kept OU off balance. And mm-hmm. this performance comes on the heels of OU seeing Valerie Cagle, who was player of the year. Y- you know what I mean? Like, yeah. That is the best player, and OU hit a grand slam off her, a three-run home run off her, and some other home runs as well. And then now you see Kennedy, and I haven't seen an OU offense struggle like this in in quite some time. Maybe it hasn't happened this year. So by the end of this thing, I may be willing to say that Kennedy is the best pitcher that they faced all year long. She's been in control, man. Yeah, it's a different style. Correct me if I'm wrong here. Just an observation. Uh, She seems – She's like an overpowering pitcher. Uh, lots of velocity. Um, they're having trouble catching up with it. She's she's high in the zone, and they're they're fouling them off, trying to catch up to them whenever they're they're up there. Um, but Cagle has a lot more to what she she brings. Like she's got a bigger pitch repertoire, I think, than than what you see from from Kennedy here. Right? She's just like overpowering them. Yeah, I mean, I mean, Jordy is overpowering, right? And I think mm-hmm. I'm seeing her fastball topping out at like 68 today. Maybe there's been some 70 mile per hour plus uh, fastballs that I've missed, but Kennedy's topping out at 71, man. So right. if you're a casual softball fan, you say, "Well, I, the difference in a 68 mile an hour fastball and a 71 mile an hour fastball, it's not that big of a deal. It's a huge deal. Um, I mean, to yes. to to use baseball as a comparison, like what do they say? Like, when you get up to 92, like, the difference between 92 and 93 is actually three miles per hour more if you were to average it out, something like that. So it's it's actually a huge difference between 68 and 71, which she just threw to the pitch that Alina Torres hit for a base hit in left field. Like, that's some serious stuff, man. That's some gas. Yeah, it's, well, if you convert it, I think 70 is 100 miles an hour equivalent in baseball, so... Mm-hmm. You're talking about, like, the difference between those two is, like, mid-90s to, like, 101, 102. And yeah. that is a, that's a huge difference. 
Yeah. It, so, yeah. It, it's, it's straight gas, man. Pretty impressive. I mean, there's yep. no other way to say it. And, you know, you really don't need a whole lot of other pitches if you can just throw 71 miles per hour and locate it. And that's what Kennedy's been doing today. She just – she throws really hard, man. And, and OU – does have a runner at first with one out, and we'll see if they can do some something with it in the bottom of the fifth inning. Um, well, that's the I thing is they think... haven't put a whole lot of pressure on her. She's a freshman. Right. She's in a big moment. You know, she's she's up against the number one overall seed in Oklahoma, the, the you know, the Titan in this thing. But they haven't been able to put runners in scoring position to get her really stressed out there. And as long as she's kind of in a front-runner position, I think she's going to continue to perform well. Yeah, Grace Lyons pops out to the shortstop, so two outs now. Um, I, I didn't put this audio clip in any of the intros today. I probably should have, even though it was like a minute and a half long. Anyway, Haley Lee has been incredible for OU this year. Transferred yeah. from Texas A&M last year, and Patty Gasso was talking about that whole process once she entered into the portal. Like, first she starts off with, you know, there's some players that you go up against and once they step in the box, you say to yourself, oh, no, oh, no, I do not want to see this hitter up right now. And she was saying that Haley Lee was that player at Texas A&M when they faced her. So she enters into the portal. Patty has some immediate interest, obviously, but then she starts to kind of snoop around on her a little bit, and she's like, wait a minute, she's got all these tattoos and – See, she says she drives a motorcycle. Very important to remember that, that Patty says she drives a motorcycle. And then finally Patty said to herself, like, don't be lame. Like, she's got tats and she, she has a motorcycle. Like, don't be lame. Like, at least call her and bring her in for a visit, and you know, just to, to gauge her a little bit better. She calls her, says she falls in love with her personality. She gets her here on a visit and says that she's just an absolutely incredible person. So Patty's like, oh, thank God I wasn't so lame that I wasn't going to take a player based on tattoos and a motorcycle. And they asked Kaylee Lee about it, and she was like, yeah, it's riding a motorcycle, not driving a motorcycle, but whatever. Not not that big of a deal, I guess. But, yeah, Patty's initial thought was tattoos in a, in a motorcycle. I don't know how that fits here. Just whenever you think that Patty Gasso can't get any better, she goes and channels uh, Lou Brown from Major League and goes ahead and brings in Ricky Vaughn in, uh, in Haley Lee with the uh, – the cutoff, the cutoff shirt, the tattoos, and the motorcycle to get it done. Amazing. I, I am so glad you thought of this. I, I had that written down. Um, same thing I thought of. Because my yeah. hope is the first day of practice, she rolled up in, in the Harley. Now, I don't yeah. know who had rolled up in the limousine and got out. Who are they? They are our center fielder. <laughs> I don't know who would have rolled up in the limo, but Ailey Lee definitely rolling up in the in the bike on the first day is legendary. Uh, it's good stuff. That yeah, that was a uh, I had heard some of that. That's a pretty interesting story, and you know I like that Coach Gasso was able to 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 give a peek behind the curtain, so to speak, and kind of let you inside her thought process like that's that's you know that's saying a lot a lot more than maybe you would typically get that you know she 
she, she had maybe some preconceived notions of, of what the player might, may be or may be like and, um, like, was smart enough to, to be able to table that, move past it, continue to explore and find out that, hey, uh, you don't judge the book by this cover. It's someone that yeah. actually fits in great with what we want here. I, I think that's a, a really good story. No, I mean, you're right. It's one thing to think that way, but to publicly say it at probably the most listened-to press conference she's had all year long, <laughs> right before the women. Like, it wasn't a small pool of reporters at OU. Like Anyone that covers softball was – and people that don't cover softball – we're there, and that's what I appreciate. One of the many things I appreciate about Patty, man, like there is definitely coach speak that exists in sports. Coach speak does not exist with Patty Gasso. If yeah. you ask her something, she'll pretty much tell you always bluntly how she feels about it, well, I, and me, I, I, I appreciate that. Let me say this too, though, because I think there's multiple lessons. You know, it was awesome on Patty Gasso to look past that, and ends up finding someone that has been a big part of the team, someone she really enjoys and likes being around. But it proves the point to young athletes that like, what you do and how you carry yourself matters. And I'm not suggesting that the tattoos thing is something that necessarily should matter. But I, whether it's it's social media posts, whether it's, how you conduct yourself in in public, like people are watching more than your batting average, your fielding percentage, and what you do on whatever the field of play is that the sport that that you play. I I'm glad that it didn't, but superficial things like that can get in the way, and I would sure. hate for someone to miss out on on an opportunity to play for a championship program maybe like Oklahoma because of something like that that's easily avoidable. Now that's a that's kind of a different a different thing. Like I'm not suggesting that the motorcycle and the tattoos not to do that. I'm just saying like people are watching how you conduct yourself. So it's yep. it's a good lesson to think about that as well. Well, especially with the programs that are really winning right now, right? I, and I'm sure that there's some mid-level programs that operate like that too, but certainly, yeah, the, the programs that are winning at a high level feels like they operate that way. Uh, 405-651-3439 is the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line. I Riley got a little Boone pressure going here. Hits. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah. Got two on here. It count is 0-2, two outs, but crowds into it a little bit, starting to put some pressure. This would be – in a low-scoring game like this, if you get one across the play, get a run up on the board, uh, that would be big time, and, and we'll see how the young freshman responds. Yeah, you get a run across in the bottom of the fifth, and you're six outs away from, uh, ooh, base Oh, wow. How about that? An 0-2, two-out hit once again. An 0-2, two-out hit once again to take the lead. Wow. Jada Coleman, unbelievable. OU's got a 2-0 lead now. And, and here's the thing, and, and really nice, Jada Coleman there. You get two runs in. Um, really should have just scored one, but what do we always yeah. say? It's whenever teams start to press when they play Oklahoma and, and do things that maybe they're, they don't necessarily have to do. Left fielder tries to rush this on just a routine, not a hard hit ball at all, 
takes her eyes off of it and it gets past her, it ends up costing them multiple runs when it should have just at most cost one. She may have even had a, a good chance at a play at the plate, but like it's those mistakes right there that that teams typically make against Oklahoma and then they can't overcome. Yeah, and O2 once again, just like that Clemson game, right? That, that, yep. Didn't that seem familiar a little bit? I mean, a, a little bit different. It wasn't uh, down three runs, but O2, two outs, you need a big hit, and that's exactly what happened. Wow, applying the pressure. OU's got a 2 nothing lead. That's probably the first, well, I don't know if it's the first time today they've got momentum, but that's by far and away the biggest momentum shift of this game. Yeah, and we'll see. It. This, is, this is where I think it's interesting to see how the freshman responds now. Uh, they're starting to catch up to her a little bit. Um, fielding error out there, see if that, you know, trickles in on the pitcher. She's starting to think, well, daggum, uh, that's an easy play there. We could have had a play at the plate, maybe to not even get get out of the inning without giving up a run, but instead we give up two. Uh, Now we're in a hole, still haven't gotten out of the inning. We'll see how that plays with the freshman. Yeah. Uh, By the way, I'm at Westwood Golf Course. we got a crowd over here in the grill watching uh, OU take this 2-0 lead. So it's fun. feels like everyone in Norman, no matter where you're at today. You're at Sooner Station. I'm at Westwood Golf. Everyone's just (laughs) locked into the softball game. It's great. I love it. Nice. Another nice hit there, though. Center fielder makes a good over-the-shoulder catch, a little basket catch there. Um, Mm -hmm. They're catching up to her. Like we said, got a couple of runs across there, which is big, but um feels like maybe the levee's about to break a little bit see if stanford can answer it all right let's hit a quick timeout hour number two rolls on tyler's hanging out there westwood golf i'm here at sooner station plenty of stuff going on today hit us on the text line 651-3439 we'll be back ou softball just five outs away from moving on up to nothing on stanford Top of the six, nobody on, one out for the Stanford Cardinal. OU leads it 2-0. Jordy Ball in the circle and in control right now. OU gets on the board first after a huge two-out hit by Jada Coleman in an 0-2 count. Hits it to the left fielder. Left fielder misplays it. Probably would have had a play at the plate at least. I I couldn't really tell. I don't really know how strong the left fielder's arm is, but if she has a good arm, that would have been a play at the plate. But instead, OU gets two runs across. So that's that's the big break you need in a game like this. Well, yeah, it's as tight as it's been. uh, Hard to come across any offense at all. Uh, You may not get another opportunity if you're Oklahoma. And uh, Stanford, you know, they've had runners in scoring position but haven't been able to, to ultimately capitalize on it. And, you know, uh, what, what was six outs left? I guess five now. It's starting to feel most insurmountable. And, again, you go back to what we talked about. It's the pressure of, of what Oklahoma brings, going for a three-peat. They're the juggernaut. And people try and do more than, than what they have to. And, yep had a chance to get out of an inning maybe with a with would it have to have been a great throw great play at the plate in order to get the out but instead of 1-0 maybe still 0-0 it's 2-0 and you're running out of time against a pitcher that just does not yield runs so yeah it, it's almost you have to feel dejected a little bit if you're Stanford to feel like we missed our opportunity like we're right there and one yeah. little mistake can change everything um, that would have been – it was a huge momentum shift in favor of OU. That's a huge momentum shift for Stanford. 
if they get the final out at home plate, you know? Like, oh, e- yeah. Either way, that was going to be a massive momentum shift, and Stanford would still have to score a run to win this game, but we are feeling totally different going into the final two innings. O- OU's now three outs away from winning this, but we're feeling totally different going into the sixth if you have your best opportunity of the game only to get gunned out at home plate. And uh, Jordy Ball gets out of a quick sixth inning, one, two, three there. So Stanford's down to three outs. All right, and they're going to have to, uh, again, Oklahoma, it seems like they're catching up a little bit more to Kennedy as, as they roll through. and They're in a good spot now. Yeah, good spot to uh, face Tennessee in the next round. And they, they look good today, right? I mean, they kind of messed around in the final two innings of the game and let Alabama back in that. Probably should have had a five-inning run rule, but – we labeled Tennessee as possibly the biggest threat to OU in this tournament, maybe outside Florida State. And, man, early on, Tennessee looked the part, especially offensively, man. They were crushing the ball. Yeah. I don't know how much of that game you got to watch, but Tennessee looked real good offensively today. Yeah, that's no surprise. Um, I feel like Bama kind of limped in a little bit anyways. We talked about that. Um, and, and Tennessee, they're coming in hot. They blanked Texas in the Knoxville Regional, and they've got some swag to them. The way they play, they play confident, yeah. and I think that, that that plays really well in in this environment, in the environment that they're going to have. And I don't know, I wasn't able to see much of it. Saw some highlights. Did they travel a big crowd there? That's going to be. You know, um, I, I, you, you know, Tennessee, like, for, there, there's some school colors that are, you know, blend in a little bit better in a crowd, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and you can tell if they have a, a large representation there, but sometimes they blend in a little bit more. Tennessee stands out maybe more than any other team there. Yeah, they brought a decent amount of fans, and, and I'm sure, like, once the weekend gets here and if they're still alive and in a good spot, yeah. they'll probably bring even more. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's going to be – I, I still believe, and we'll we'll get to see more as this thing unfolds. But I still think that that's right now. That's the team I've got my eye on that you could end up uh, having a showdown with. Uh, text line: Greg from Lawton says, "Dang it, Tyler! She just caught the second out. At least I know the third out is soon. You guys are a few minutes ahead of me with the fire stick." Yeah, Teddy ah. is um, a few seconds ahead of me at Sooner Station, and the only reason I know that is because the pitch was on the way, and I heard an eruption of cheers as the as the pitch was being delivered to Jada Coleman. So, yeah, I'll there is a party going on out there. Here's what's funny about that. I am, I'm in a different room than, like, where the big watch party is. So the watch party was ahead of me. Like, you are ah. actually ahead of what I'm watching on this side TV but I heard the my own party here in the other room nice. going crazy. Then you told me what happened, and then I saw it. <laughs> so, okay, that, okay, uh, we're that, all on different because I could tell I was a little bit ahead of you before. Yeah, and I'm watching on a laptop, which is actually ahead of the giant TV that they have in here in the grill at Westwood. So it's it's all sorts of messed up, Greg. I'm I'm, I'm sorry, man. I'm sorry. That's just just how. How we're going to roll here, I yep. guess. There's the going to be spoiler alerts. Uh, if you're watching or, or wanting to watch at home, we're going to be giving spoiler alerts as the show rolls on for sure. Riley so. Boone is in the middle of every close game. Great at bat before Jada says the 580. Yeah. Um, I tweeted this out on What do you think about him pulling uh, Kennedy out, though, Saturday? Stanford? I, I think it's one of those, man, where – 
it's okay, we're down to nothing, and we know we got a long road back. Like we're going to need Kennedy yeah. to get back, you know, on the right side of this bracket, essentially. So if it was a one nothing game, do they do this? Maybe not, but I think given the circumstances like um Jordy Ball pitching the way that she has today. Like, if this was a 10-8 to 8 game or something like that, I, I don't know, that, that's probably a bad example at that point. But I, I think with the way that Jordy Ball is performing today, I can understand it because they may want, you know have to turn around and throw her in like two days or so, or maybe yeah. even tomorrow. Yeah, no, that, I, I'm, I'm with you. It makes sense. You, she's the best you've got. You're going to be uh, you're going to be making your way through the loser's bracket. You've got to keep his, her as fresh as you can. It's crazy that it feels like two runs is insurmountable amount to come back on Oklahoma, right? Like you've got to almost throw in the towel with two innings to play. I guess they've only got one more yeah. at bat. They've got three outs. But um, you have to somewhat play it, play the long game here. So it's actually a probably a smart decision. It's just kind of interesting, right, that you're in a game that's that close and you've got to kind of operate in that manner. It's interesting. Yeah, and she only threw, um, she threw 99 pitches, which again is not a not a massive amount. Back to that uh, Riley Boone text that we got. It's it's so true, man. I, I tweeted this out on Saturday. Is you know they were down two nothing to Texas in the seventh. Riley Boone gets the base hit to start off the inning and gets some momentum. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, yeah. They're down two to Oklahoma State. Riley Boone gets the first base hit to get it going in that one. Um, they're down three to Clemson. She gets the first base hit to, to get it going. She didn't get the first base hit last inning, but she got the base hit to get the runner in scoring position. She's the nine-hole hitter. She's not the most talked-about player, but, man, I mean, everyone has a role, right? And if your nine-hole hitter can be that important to you in clutch situations, I don't know what else you can ask for, man. I mean, that's, that's just awesome. I'm, I'm happy for her. Yeah, she's your nine-hole hitter. She's your one-hole hitter on every other softball team in the entire country, I'm sure, right? Accurate. With, Accurate. with her speed and, and the way she gets on base, she's probably the, the, the one-hole hitter for every other team in the country, which is just continues to show you how, how wild everything is. Hey, yeah. um, uh, I, at some yeah. point, I need you to, and, and maybe in a couple of segments, we need to, we need some updates on what's going on at camp up there. Uh, OU's got their... their their team camp going on right now. It sounds like there's some big-time athletes up there. The Hawkins brothers are there. Uh, Malik Hawkins, 2025 player. Michael Hawkins, your uh, quarterback that you have. They have some good in-state talent that's here. They've got um, some players from the state of Texas that are here. So, yeah, I, I mean, I don't necessarily think that they're going to get a commitment coming out of this weekend. I could be wrong. Everyone's just kind of looking ahead to the Champion Barbecue. That's coming up in a couple of weeks. That um, it could very well be the biggest recruiting weekend that you had the entire year. David Stone's going to be there, the five-star defensive lineman. Joseph Jonah Ajonye, elite defensive lineman's there. Two elite running backs and Taylor Tatum and Caden Durham. Taylor Tatum's ranked as the number one running back. Uh, Devon Jordan, um, one of the best players in the state. So, like. This this is this this is a nice weekend, sure, just to see who shows up. But dude, it's all about that champion barbecue weekend, and I'm not going to be surprised if some uh, some OU legends show up for that one, like we've seen in the past. I think you've been a part of that before, right? Yeah, um, I have. I've been up there before. We'll see what's going on with this year's. Um, see what they have. 
Have you got I've an invitation got a, yet? Uh, no, I, no, I haven't talked. It usually comes fairly late. Uh, not the, not that I'm saying I'm going to get one this year. I don't know, but um, usually kind of a last-minute type of deal. I've got a quick little interesting prediction that you may like. Maybe you hate okay. it. I don't know. Um, we've got so far under Venables, they've had Jackson Arnold, Hawkins, and what the Sperry kid committed to. So they've committed three quarterbacks in three different classes, right? Yep, that's right. What What would you say if I told you that I think Sperry is going to be the best of all of them? Um. Well, I feel like you've heard that from someone, which makes it very intriguing. I still think Jackson Arnold's going to be the best of the three, but, man, there's just so much time for Kevin Sperry because, what, he's only going to, to his junior year. I mean, I, I, I don't hate it. I, I guess I would ask why. Like, because Jackson Arnold seemingly has all the tools. Like, what, what does Kevin Sperry have at probably 15 years old that makes you think he's going to be the best of all three? Because that's saying something. Man. I'm just telling you, for a kid his age, I have I have never seen a throwing motion and like it is just the most smooth, accurate, athletic looking style and he can move too. It's not like he's just a kid that extends in the pocket and throws it. He's got he's I'm just telling you, I think he's special. I, I think, and I know they kind of all are, right, to to uh, maybe different degrees. But, like, Jackson Arnold came on late to where he started look like this kid is, I feel like, three years ahead of where Jackson Arnold was last year. Oh, yeah. Like, he won't, he won't be a three-star, I mean, at any point his senior year. Like he's got a re- he's got a great chance to be a five star. The only thing is, man, like people who you know really saw all the quarterbacks up close from last year's class and didn't just say, "Oh, Arch's last name is Manning. We're going to put him at number one." Like I, I think it was Wilt Fong at twenty four seven Sports that said he's my favorite quarterback in the entire class. So there's some people that thought that Arnold was the best quarterback in last year's class in like well, their own personal ranking. So, man. Sperry in the 25, it's, he's in the 25 class, right? Yeah. It's crazy yep, yep, to even yep, think yep. about. But uh, he will he will be the number one player in that class. Prediction. Okay. <laughs> K-Dub in the 918 says, I thought Clint had a hot take earlier. Sheesh, Teddy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll have to revisit that one in four years and see if that was a worse take than Clint's from earlier. We'll see how that Could one be. ages. Could be. All right, quick timeout. More from The Rush coming up. We'll hit a few things that caught my eye next. Stay tuned. It is The Rush on the Ref. Tyler McComas, Teddy Lehman. Boy, it's a party here at Westwood Golf where I'm at because we're in a rain delay right now at Westwood Golf. So everyone that was out on the course is currently in the grill, piled in watching the softball game. You can probably hear all the commotion going on behind me. Yeah, uh, Teddy just thought he was at a party over there at Sooner Station. I got quite the party here at the grill at uh, Westwood Golf. Uh, Westwood Pool, come enjoy the Westwood Pool all summer long as well as Westwood Golf. They also have the tennis facility. Really cool what they've done with this area right here in Norman. Sooners are three outs away 
from moving on as they lead 2-0 against Stanford. And it is official. Eye roll emoji. SEC Commissioner Greg Sankey confirms it will be an eight-game conference schedule once OU and Texas join the league. I hate uh, it. Yeah. Yep. That's uh, that's what it was trending no towards divisions. the last couple of days. Uh, no divisions, eight-game schedule. Um Whatever. Hopefully it changes quickly after that. I don't know. Like I said yesterday, we're in a position where, you know, beggars can't be choosers. We'll take it and be thrilled with it. Hopefully, you know, in the near term, we take it as a, a good opportunity to schedule some really good extra non-conference games, uh, get some, some opponents and some places maybe that we haven't been able to see previously or, or, or have uh, or host previously. So, We'll see. Um, it's wild, dude. It looks like a hurricane outside. That came yeah. out of nowhere, right? Yeah. Storm has been popping up all day, and it is a downpour here at Westwood Golf, man. <laughs> I, I, uh, it's it's been a while since I've seen rain that heavy out here, man. It's 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 nuts. Um, okay. This this stinks from an entertainment aspect, from a season ticket holder, like all, all of that. Is there any positive, like, on the OU side of this? And and, and who knows what your nine-game conference schedule would have looked like compared to your eight-game. Maybe this makes your schedule a little bit more manageable. I I don't know, man. I'm just trying to throw anything out. Is there any positive at all for OU's first year in the SEC that they're going to play one less conference game than maybe what we initially thought? Uh, Sure. Sure. I I think maybe it – there's, a, there's an argument to be made. I, I, whenever you don't know what your nine-game schedule would have looked like, it, it's hard to really make any type of comparison and say that it's easier because, you know, like I said yesterday, I can give you a way more difficult eight-game SEC schedule than nine-game SEC schedule if you want me to. It's not that hard to do. So it's hard to really know how it's all going to fall. But um, in general, you can make the assumption that Eight conference games versus nine conference games in the SEC makes for an easier schedule. It also depends on who you schedule as that that extra non-conference game. But there is a a solid case to be made that this softens the transition to the Southeastern Conference. Sure, at least a little bit, right? One game, and one game can make or break your season. Uh, let's be honest. Um, it could be the difference in, in success and failure. But I, that would be the one thing that, that I would say. I, what is, like if I pulled Coach Venables aside and said, man, I bet you're happy that you guys are playing eight conference games in 24 and 25 rather than nine. I, it wouldn't shock me if he said, "Oh yeah, there's absolutely we, you know, we're still in trans transmit uh, transition mode right now. That gives us a little bit more leeway, a little bit more time." It also wouldn't shock me if he said, "What are you talking about? Like it would have been awesome yeah. if we would have played nine conference games in the SEC." So, like, I would say, like right now, if you want to, if you want to look at the the good side of it. I think it softens the transition to the SEC a little bit. Yeah. Um, obviously, you're going to play Texas that year. We'll see what UT looks like. 
going into 24. But I think this. I think one aspect of the schedule still stays the same for OU and Texas. That for that matter, I, I just refuse to believe that OU's first year in the SEC they're going to be handled just a total gravy schedule. You know what I mean? Like, they, they want the marquee matchup. We've always theorized that OU's first SEC home game is going to have an interesting storyline. I'm just not going to be shocked if OU's playing Alabama or Georgia or maybe like even like an Alabama and Tennessee in their first year in the league. Like, the SEC yeah. is going to give OU and Texas something in that first year. Yeah. You'll, you should have – plenty of good games home and and road I, i'm not i'm not really concerned about like about that i, I think the schedule is going to be good all you have to do if you start to get down about missing out on an extra sec game pull up this year's home schedule or any of the last oh, decade home schedule for what we've had and you're not going to stay angry very long right it's going to be yep. much better it's going to be fine it's just it's just dumb, right? It's just dumb. It's easy opportunity for schools to make more money. It's it's better viewing for the fans. It's better home games for all of the fan bases. It's literally better for everyone. That's why it's frustrating that they're not doing it. In the grand scheme of things, do I care? No, I don't care. I just care about how frustrating it is that the people in positions of power in college football can't agree on anything ever in any decent amount of time, no matter what it is, other than we're going to make things easier on the offense. Everyone can agree on that uh, just (laughs) as as easy as possible. But as far Uh, as anything else in football, they can't agree on anything. Yeah, well, um, OU's going to have to schedule two more non-conference games, and I'm sure Joe Castiglione didn't just find this out, and he's got at least a team or two in mind. Um, I'll I'll, I'll be interested, like your first year in the SEC, they have two cupcake opponents in 2024. What you have, uh, well, I say cupcake. Temple is one and Tulane's the other. Tulane doesn't look like a cupcake right now, but I don't think that they're going to have the same team in 24 as they did maybe last year. Do they go out for a marquee opponent? Um, do they have to schedule that as a neutral site game, a one-off if they do? I, you, there, there's some interesting aspects now to the non-conference schedule since you have to fill up with uh, with, with two teams now. So I'll be yeah. interested to I, see how that breaks down. Same. I'm, I'm interested to see how it breaks down too. Um, again, I know I keep bringing this up, but I think it's relevant and it's something to think about. Is it as easy for Oklahoma as the inventory issue with the early exit from the Big 12? Do they just fill that void with previous Big 12 competition? Uh, Whether it's Baylor, whether it's Kansas State, the teams that they're not playing this year, um, is that who they just naturally put into those, those vacant spots? Yeah, maybe, and you know what that sounds like to me? Big noon on Fox, 11 a.m. games, yeah. whether it's in Norman or Manhattan, Lubbock, or Waco. Um, yeah, sounds like a couple of uh, non-conference uh, 11 a.m. games to me, which, you know, still a little bit sore about from yesterday. Now, so, if you want uh, me to uh, um, 
throw out what I'd like to see. I would like to see because they think right now 24 and 25 are going to be the the two years that they'll do the eight game and then they'll revisit, right? Whenever the new uh, contract with the extended playoff is, is underway and all of those different deals. So, like, that's the theory. Like, if you need an extra non-con game for uh, 24 or 25, give me a home and home with the University of Southern California. <laughs> well, uh, O'Mealshoe won't be here for the second installment of that matchup, but who cares, man? I, I hated USC long before he took that job there. You talk about a ratings bonanza and yeah. the money that would flow in for that game, dude. It would be, and I don't know what the highest-rated regular season game is, but that that's, there's your highest-rated regular season college football game in a long time. Long yeah. time. That's what I'm saying. Let's see, that seems pretty easy to fill in the void there, oh, right? Gosh, dude. I, man. You get a big-name program that's soft as Charmin that you could beat up on. I mean, come on. It's, it's the best of, best of every world. No, they'll be... They'll actually be pretty good by then. Uh, continue to recruit, recruit well, and depending on what the transfer portal looks like that year, like you can wait to schedule it. Let's see who they get in the transfer portal, and maybe we won't schedule <laughs> it. Well, defensive lineman from Georgia, corner from Penn State, they'll get all the uh, rejects that weren't going to play on the uh, teams that play defense. That's who they're going to get. One out yeah. away, one out away from your uh, 49th consecutive win for OU softball. Jordy Bowl has been fantastic today and i'm not going to go as far to say teddy that this has been her best game ever at ou but it's it's been a really good one and a really gutsy one with as many well i say as many it's been about four or five at bats where she's had runners in scoring position and they've only put the ball in play like one time she's been awesome with all the pressure today well yeah you you're you're gonna get a um what looks like probably a um, complete game shutout in the Women's College World Series for uh, Jordy Ball. It doesn't matter who it's against. That's pretty salty. So uh, as long as she can close this thing out here and she's got one more strike uh, to get through it. And, you know, pretty – I don't know what the typical pitch count is, but she's at 105 pitches right now. Seems pretty tidy. Yeah, and here's the, here's the thing, though. Um, you get a day's rest. Yeah, and yeah. that's the thing about the new structure of this tournament that we talked about all this week is if you just keep winning. OU is in better shape than any team out there. They're the best team with the best coach. they got the deepest pitching staff. And if you have the advantages of a day off in between every single win, then, uh, yeah, you're you're really in good shape to uh, make it to I'm the championship I'm just glad series. they're able to get this thing finished. Boom. Uh, with what we saw here, uh, the typhoon that just rolled through Norman yeah. and I think is headed north, the fact that they're able to get it done uh, before it made its way up there is pretty good. So there you, there go. you go. It's final, you heard, buddy. You heard the cheers here at Westwood Golf. Everyone's in for the uh, rain delay and watching the softball game. So we'll try and get Jen Schroeder for maybe the, the uh, top of the 5 o'clock hour. That should be fun. Good stuff. All right, quick timeout. More from the rush coming up. Keep hitting the text line, 651 Three four three nine. We'll wrap up hour number two next. Well, it is the rush on the ref, Tyler McComas, Teddy Lehman. It's also the Orthostat postgame show 
as number one Oklahoma wins number 49 in a row. Jordy Ball was fantastic. Seven innings pitched, no runs allowed, just five hits on the day and 11 strikeouts. Maybe the single biggest play, Teddy, was Jada Coleman's two-out hit with uh, an 0-2 count to get two runs across. But the player of the game for me, I I mean, I don't know how it's not uh, Jordy Ball in the circle today. She was outstanding. Yeah, crazy. And I don't know how they scored it, but Kennedy, the freshman for Stanford, threw an absolute gem herself, which she may have – she may have not given up any earned runs, right? One earned run. They they they, they, uh, they had the run that was, and, and, and that's pretty standard. I think that's right because, yeah. you know, there was at least going to be a play at the play, but maybe she's safe there. So the second run isn't earned. Yeah, between the two starters today, 12 innings pitch and just one earned run. Man, that's about as good of a pitching matchup as you're going to see this tournament. There's going to be other good pitching matchups this tournament, but Jordy Ball against Kennedy, what we saw today, dude, that is, that's big time, man. Yeah. Yep. Pretty impressive stuff and um, resilient. You know, that's that's the thing about this team, and, and we've talked about it before, is there's there's different ways. They win different ways. Sometimes it's a, a in a pitching duel. Sometimes it's uh, having to generate a bunch of offense. Sometimes it's the defense that gets it done. I. Uh, Today, uh, it was great pitching, great defense that that got them across. They didn't have a a whole bunch of firepower there on the offensive side and and still able to get a a big-time win in the shutout. Yeah. Hey, real quick, the big football news today before we hit the top of the hour. Jen Schroeder joining us at the top of next hour. SEC teams will play eight conference games plus one required opponent from the Power Five in 2024. So that means OU will have to find a Power 5 opponent. In the non-conference, Teddy, you think it could be a Big 12 team. I don't disagree with that, but eight games in 2024 once OU and Texas are in the SEC. Lame, but that's what we got. There you go, and could be difficult. It's harder to get a Power 5 school uh, in a non-conference than it is a non-Power 5. We'll see how how easy it is to fill those slots. All right, quick timeout. we got the final hour of the rush coming up next. Stay tuned.